It is well known that the thought of motherhood comes with certain assumptions from all walks of life, from the individuals who liken motherhood to a ball and chain, to others who believe the journey is an invitation to a prestigious group. These days, women are finding that their assumptions were misguided, and it's through this realization that more and more people are trying to rewrite the narrative of motherhood. Women are redefining what motherhood and balance can look like. They're pushing themselves to take ownership of what motherhood means to them and not relying on the narrative that has been pushed on them by society. A narrative in which self-sacrifice is the main theme. This week, our story comes from Angie, who, after giving birth to a special needs son, is slowly beginning the journey of therapy, self-acceptance, and dare I say, even joy. Um, my name is Angie, Angie Willoughby. Um, I live in Port St. Lucie, Florida, beautiful, sunny state. Yeah. Um, and I am a chef, a mother, uh, entrepreneur, a Gemini. Um, <laughs> I don't know what, what would my bio say. Um, uh, I am a Buddhist and, there we go. um, and I, believe in karma and universal kind of connection between all people. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of me, like in a weird that, little kind of. That, might, that might be the best introduction ever. Um, like all encompassing, you know, most of the time it's like, here, this is what I do. And this is where I live. And no, I that's think it. Um, important to know all of no, that. that was a, that was a good flow of where. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So this is just all like off the dome. Yeah. I mean, it may be just that one piece that someone goes, all right, I'm in. She's a Gemini. Absolutely. Um, let's listen. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. So tell me where your, your story begins here, Angie. Um, you know, I think as all stories begin, you know, I, I tell people, um, everyone has their you know superhero marvel origin story right and um and whether you know you're a villain or a hero it's really dependent on who you talk to right yeah Um, absolutely and so uh there is no good there is no bad there just is and so uh, you know, I grew up um, in New York. I was born a child of the 80s. I'm an 81 baby. Ah. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, my parents were very, very young when they had me. And, you know, there was a lot of like kind of initially kind of early, early turmoil in the home, um, which is very interesting because you don't really understand or know how these things kind of click into your life until you really take the time to kind of like retrospectively look back yeah and and, or even not even retrospectively so much but even to analyze how we behave in this moment right yeah absolutely um but 
I say all of that to kind of bring it all together. So there was some initial like kind of turmoil in, in the beginning. But, you know, I come from a very loving home. I come from, you know, my dad remarried and, you know, my stepmom was very loving. And, you know, she raised myself and my brother as her own. Um, and we had a really good home. We had a really good upbringing. I, we left uh, New York and moved to Puerto Rico and which is where my yeah. mom's from. And, um, that was a completely different experience. It's a from whole different of, world. Yeah. <laughs> from this kind of like, you know, concrete jungle of New York to, you know, we would run out in the street and play and climb trees and eat yeah. from the trees and, you know, kind of, and everyone knew everyone. Everyone was like a cousin of a cousin or a friend of a cousin <laughs> or, you know, so it was like, we we all kind of, the, the whole island kind of just knew each other. Kind of knew know? each other. Yeah. It's like one big community. It really was, you know, and, um, and so it was an incredible childhood, you know, um, yeah. and one that I feel was not, um, strife with any of the kind of like normal kind of childhood things. I was definitely one of those people that felt like, oh, I don't need to go to therapy. I'm fine. You know, <laughs> I was yeah. like, I had a great childhood. Yeah. I, parents who loved me i had you know we weren't the richest but you know my parents provided yeah. for me and cared for me and loved me and 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 had expectations of me you know all of the kind of like normal the, stuff you kind yeah. of expect from a childhood um and so be saying that you know being one of those people who was yeah. like i'm good you know um it was really kind of astonishing to me when um I went into therapy initially for a completely unrelated thing <laughs> <laughs> I didn't you know I mean I knew that I all through my kind of like um a young adulthood into you know my 20s my mid-20s until I yeah. had my son you know I knew that I really struggled with depression I really struggled with anxiety um, and I didn't, it was kind of like, just kind of a partner that I just kind of had there. And I didn't really necessarily know how to manage it or yeah. that I could be managing it, you know? Um, it was just something that was there and I yeah. knew it was there and, you know, kind of when I, when it would come on, I kind of felt it and I kind of knew, okay, you know, but there wasn't any sort of thought of like, Hey, there's something that I really should need be, to address here yeah <laughs> right yeah so you know just kind of coming up and struggling with those 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 things um and then i had my son at 27 and um my son is incredible and he was actually born with special <laughs> needs so he has cerebral palsy um okay. and i think that was really the ball that kind of the seed that kind of like yeah. planted when I had him um, because my anxiety and depression went into overdrive. Overdrive, yeah. And well, for sure. So, and on top of that, um, compounded with it was these feelings of guilt and shame. You know? Yeah. And so it was a challenge for me as one, a very new mo mother, um, one who never wanted to have children, you know, never expected to have a child. My son came into the world very unexpectedly. I kind of found out I was pregnant and gave birth to him all within like a four hour period. Oh, gosh. So that was 
you know, traumatic. That in itself is an experience, yeah. Yes, you know, that was very traumatic. And so having all of these kind of feelings kind of converging at this, like, kind of... Yeah. ...of new motherhood, you know, depression already there, anxiety already there. Now we're compounding shame and guilt and love, you know, and uncertainty and, you know, being completely out of control, you know. Yeah. That's another thing that kind of triggers stuff is like being able to like control what's happening and know, you know, and so having all of these kind of emotional, like kind of like grenades kind of go off all at the same time, I think was really um, the seed that created, you know, what was to come, you know? And, um, and so, and again, I still was fine. I was like, you know, um, I, I suffer from, uh, you know, superhero black woman syndrome, you know, <laughs> which All is, right. All right. which is this thought process of like, I don't need anybody, right? I don't need anyone. I'm strong yeah. enough. I'm capable enough. I have, I take care of myself. I have a job. I make my own money. I pay my own bills. I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. I don't need therapy. I'm not, you know, I don't need medication. I don't need these things, right? Yeah. Sometimes feel our, um, direct reflections on who we are as people right because we are told especially from a very young age that we don't need anybody yeah can do this all on your own you don't need anyone you don't need a man you don't need this you don't need that there's all these things that you do don't need and it creates this sense of um not superiority but really a sense of like kind of like recklessness right yeah like I can do what I want and I'm not going to be held accountable, not even to myself, right? Which is so important, um, but also to the people that are around me. And so this sense of I can handle it all, right? I can carry it all. Just keep piling it on, (laughs) you know? Um, And it'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Feed into that shame and that guilt when I didn't feel like I could handle it, when I didn't feel like I could manage these things on my own. Right. And so it became kind of this self-fulfilling kind of prophecy, you know? And so in, in having my son and, and going through this experience with him, uh, because I tell him all the time, it's like, we're raising each other. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and they don't they don't tell you that as a parent you know like that's you know i mean it's a good point to make i mean you you absolutely feel like a failure no matter how many times you you know whatever what you read in a book that yeah whether you want the kid or 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 not you know the same experience is going to happen that you have a lot still to learn and yes they're going to end up teaching you and if they i wish somebody would say that just that line you know like welcome to parenthood Here's this as well <laughs> as all these other things about feeding and sleeping and weird yeah. rashes and you name, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I made that pact with my son and I was just like, look, like, I'm not perfect. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. You're new here, at least in this form, <laughs> you know? And so we're just going to give each other grace and we're going to give each other, you know, and, and do our best together. 
And yeah. so, you know, at the time I was a single mom, you know, because his father and I were not together. And so it was just me and him. And I have a really great support system in my family. You know, my parents were incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, my grandmother was incredible in just, you know, my aunt um, in, in, in just being there, you know. And honestly, once again, because I had that whole like, this is all of my responsibility, right? Yeah. Like I made this child, I have decided to keep him, whatever comes, it's my responsibility. I need it's to fine, deal with yeah. it. I need to, you know, like whatever problems there are, like I'm not going to be, I don't want to be a burden to other people. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be seen as like, oh, she can't handle it or she's having issues. Yeah. I don't want to feel like, um, I regret the decision that I made or people question how I'm, yeah. you know, what my parenting looks like, you know? So there's all of these different things that are going on in my head that create these, like, not asking for help, right? Yeah. Not reaching out for help to say, you know, this is a really hard situation for me. Right. And so yeah. a lot of that, I suffered all by myself, you know, and it made such a difficult situation, even more difficult yeah. um, than probably what was necessary. But at the time, I didn't have the vocabulary or the language or the understanding to know that it was okay to ask. And that was, yeah. Right? And I think a lot of times people say it, but they say it kind of in lip service. Like, oh, if you yeah. know, let me know. You know what I'm saying? But one, if you don't know how to ask for help and you don't have the vocabulary to ask for that help. Yeah. And two... You know, sometimes you really feel like, well, you know, do they really mean that they're going to help me? Yeah. And so you these 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 fears and kind of perceptions kind of keep you from asking for the help that you could really need or want, you know, or use at that moment, you know. Um, and so, you know, the first few years of my son's life was really, you know, me just buckling down, you know, and just... Um, you know, feeling like if I just did this more or if I just did that more or if I just avoided this or didn't, you know, like this, this would help. This would be the thing, you know, um, but it didn't help. <laughs> it, it didn't help. It didn't. It, it helped to manage it a little better. Right. I became a little bit more aware of the triggers and the things that caused me to have depressive episodes. I learned, you know, what were those things that triggered that anxiety? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was kind of managing this thing. Right. But not really trying to understand where did it come from and why, and, and to really, I don't want to say cure it, because I don't really feel like I'm cured. I mean, I still have, those yeah. I still have all of those things. Right. But to have a and better understanding of why I do the things that I do, you know, yeah. why do I make the choices that I make, how do I ask for help when I need it, how to be clear and verbalize and have the vocabulary yeah. to speak to the people that are in my life about what I'm going what through. What you're going through. Yeah. Um, so all of those things were super important, right? But at the time I didn't really understand or know that. Yeah. I didn't have the tools to kind of like figure that out. And so um I met my wife in two thousand um 
Oh boy, she's gonna kill me. <laughs> I was watching your eyes. I'm like, oh man, like <laughs> 2013. I remember it was 2013. Thank Whoa. you, honey. Um, <laughs> and right there too. Oh gosh. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I love that we have a very transparent and, you know, trust-filled relationship. I mean, it happens, um, I, you know, I mean. So it's like, it's, I'm bad with math and she knows this. So, um, <laughs> I met her in 2013 and, um, and at that time I was really on this journey of really, really trying to live my life more authentically, live yeah. my life much more transparently. You know, I had gone through that beginning stages of motherhood where you're like listening to every person and everything and every piece of advice, yeah. and, you know, and I had really gotten it to a good place where I was kind of doing things on my own terms and, yeah. um, and was understanding that my motherhood journey was going to look very different than everyone else's. Yeah. And that was totally fine. And that's absolutely, and, I was going to say, that's absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. <laughs> they will not tell you that anywhere, but that is absolutely fine. It is absolutely fine, you know, and my son was happy, you know, creative, bright, yeah. sweet, caring young boy, you know, and that to me was the proof and the pudding, you know. Um, and so I was really doing things on my own terms and I was kind of just, um, you know, wanting to live more authentically, wanting yeah. to live more transparently, um, embracing those flaws, embracing that, you know, I don't know everything and I can't do everything. Yeah. And, um, and to be honest, I don't want to do everything, <laughs> you know, like I just, oh. if I'm being a hundred percent, like it's great. You know, I love yeah. being an independent woman. I love, you know, that I can do all of these things on my own, that I can, if I needed to, but at the end of the day, do we really want to, you no. know? And, yeah. and that's a question that I think sometimes we forget to ask ourselves. Absolutely. You know, it's like, what do you want? You know what I'm saying? Do you actually want to do everything? And if you yeah. don't, then it's okay to say, you know what? I really don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and to be able to find that voice of honesty and clarity within yourself and to feel okay saying it, yeah. right? And sharing that with other people, like those are the steps that I feel are like so critical. It's like first yeah. being able to admit it to yourself and be like, um, this actually sucks. And I really yeah. like doing this, right? <laughs> and not hearing the shoulda, coulda, woulda, oh, you're supposed yeah. to, why aren't you? All of these yeah. other voices that are outside of your own voice, right? Yeah. So to be able to acknowledge that and say, you know what, this really sucks and I really don't want to do this, right? And then to be able to have the courage to have the vocabulary to, to admit that, yeah. Person, Right. To say whether it's our partners, whether it's our parents, whether it's, you know, family, whether it's friends, yeah. but to be able to like sit in that truth and then to have the courage to verbalize that in a yeah. very concise way to another person who is in our life, you know, and then to be able to walk that path consistently. Like yeah. those three things were like so it's powerful for me. Yeah. Know? Um. And so, yeah, motherhood was like, yep, this is how I'm doing it. Yep. I, I don't really care what y'all think. You know, like, this is what I'm, yeah. you know, 
is what I'm doing. And so I was, I was in this space of like really wanting to be so much more transparent and so much more authentic and really relishing in the freedom of that, you know, the freedom of finally kind of like starting to let go of those things that I had been carrying around and thinking I needed to do or should have been or could have been or supposed to be, you know, letting go of those things and really like allowing myself to be honest with myself about what it was that I really wanted and oh, who man. I wanted to be, the type of person that I wanted to be as a mother, as a partner, as a whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm going back to meeting my wife in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think once again, this was an undertaking that was very new to me. I did not ever really, uh, I wasn't ever one of those people that were like, yeah, I want to get married and I want to have 3.5 kids and a dog. And I'd like, that was never what it was never part of the plan. <laughs> I, I kind of asked yeah. her, I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh my God, I can't wait to get married. Like I can't yeah. wait to have kids. Like that wasn't my thing. It just really never was. Yeah. And, um, and so when I met her and really we began this journey of our relationship together, you know, there were so many things that came up that I had to really reconcile and understand like this, re- like now I understood why I never wanted to be in a relationship. It is hard. <laughs> it is. It <laughs> it's is. really hard. It is the most challenging thing aside, besides motherhood, I think, yeah. that I had to really undertake. And once again, it was about what do you want? right? What do you want? Do you want to be in this relationship or do you not? And if that was the case, if you did not want to be in this relationship, then it's about how do I verbalize honestly? And what does that mean? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, after having five months of kind of trying to push her away, (laughs) like, okay, go away. You know, like we're friends, we're good. You know, like I don't want anything else. (laughs) I'm not even sure if I want this, you know, like having to go through that process with another person was challenging and difficult. That's why a lot of times people just avoid having these conversations, avoid having those hard truths of like, Hey, I'm being honest. I don't really know if I want to be in this relationship. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really even know if I want to do this. So I need some time. I need some space. I need some, you know, latitude, some autonomy, you know, but we kind of jump headfirst into things. And then once we kind of see it's not working, then all of a sudden we don't know how to verbalize that. We don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. We don't want them to be upset at us or whatever it is that we're gaining from that relationship. We're not willing to part whatever it is, you know? And so in that journey of me being so much more transparent and authentic, I was like, I have to be honest. I can't, you know, like yeah. I, can't, I can't try to like lie about this or be like, yeah, I'm totally cool with this. And I'm not, <laughs> you know? And, um, but, you know, really to her credit, she was, you know, so understanding and so, um, you know, just very genuine about um, wanting to be in my life and wanting to be a part of my son's life. And, you know, over, over those, those few months of me kind of just like, I need to just figure this out. Yeah. know if this is what I want you know we were able to build such a solid friendship and that was such an incredible like after effect or you know side effect or collateral effect whatever it's you know of those five months of me 
being like brutally honest with her. Honest. Yeah. <laughs> and and just, you know, and sometimes knowing that I hurt her feelings and sometimes knowing that what I'm going to say, it's, you know, you're not going to like it or you're not going to, you know, you're not going to agree with it. But, you know, over that time frame of really cultivating this really genuine care for one another and this really genuine friendship, mm-hmm. you know, that really created such a solid foundation for when I was yeah. ready. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm ready to, you know, transition this friendship yeah. more. And and so it became like literally the most beautiful relationship I've ever had. Sure. And it was based on, yes, that difficulty, right? Being authentic though, yeah. But it was based on that honesty and it was based on like, yeah, this is someone that I want to be very genuine and transparent and honest with, you know? Um, And so in that, uh, you know, once we kind of got together and we, you know, moved in together and, you know, life is kind of lifing and, um, you know, we're we're growing and, and things like that, you know, I realized that there was some stuff in our relationship that I really didn't have the tools to really understand how to manage right and so i was like you know i think we need to go to couples therapy you know we need to like kind of figure some stuff out and so this was the first time that i had ever entertained going to therapy and it was based on my relationship with my wife <laughs> up until that point Dang. i knew that i had had some mental stuff i knew that i had things that were going on yeah um, but i had never ever uttered to myself that word therapy those 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 words exactly yeah yeah like i had never and so once again it was these exterior situations you know just very much like motherhood when i had my son all of these things were kind of converging and so you know in our relationship we were at a point where it was really kind of a big crossroads for us and i was like we need to figure this out. Like, you know, and so therapy became, um, you know, something that was on the table. Yeah. And, um, and so I had found an incredible therapist and we started, I think we had like one couples (laughs) session and, um, and immediately after that session, I realized I need therapy. (laughs) Like myself, I need therapy. And it was not only super terrifying, because just as, you know, being a Black woman in America and dealing with the things that we deal with, we, you know, we know, oh, we have that crazy uncle that's whatever. We have that alcoholic aunt that, you know, whenever she's at family gatherings, she gets messy. You know, we have... You know, we have sexual predators within our families. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You know, Uncle John that, you know, don't nobody go over to his house. You know, there's all of these like issues that we have within our black families that we never talk about going to therapy. We never talk about the mental illnesses that are within our own communities that we are dealing with. And, you know, we see this within our families. We see it within, uh, you know, much larger population right. within uh, within the African-American community and Latino community, um, you know, of like, yeah, we know they're crazy, but, you know, oh, that's just, you know, yeah. either how they are, it's dismissed 
or it's looked over or it's not talked about, you yeah. know, um, <clears throat> and we don't really look for solutions for these problems. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is, we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships. Or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. Oh. First of all, I don't even know if we see it as a problem, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's about seeing it as a problem. And that's, you know, where my story really um, converges into the general population of like, yeah, it was there, but I just didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know that there yeah. were solutions and tools of me being able to really, um, you know, better control and manage my mental state, you know, um, because it's just not talked about. It's not seen. Yeah. It's seen as bougie or it's seen as oh that's what white people do or it's seen as too expensive or it's seen as oh if i go to a therapist that means that i'm crazy and i don't know how to manage myself yeah. you know we have all of these assumptions around you know getting help and asking for help and 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 honestly demanding it right in yeah. a way because you know we're all dealing with stuff right we're something, all something right something but it's about demanding and knowing our worth and knowing like, no, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to live with that aunt who's an alcoholic, right? Yeah. Let's get her some help, right? Let's, what's, what went on? What happened to her, right? What is, and I think that's the questions that we forget yeah. to ask when we're talking about another person, right? When we're talking about like that person that we dismiss or that person that we decide, oh, they're just crazy and we're not going to deal with them, yeah. you know? We never ask that question. What happened to them? Right? What happened to her? What happened to him? And I think just in asking that question is enough to trigger the understanding of like, wow, this is something way bigger that we need help. Yeah. Right. And so being able to have that opportunity to go to couples therapy really triggered that question for me. It was like, yeah. well, what happened to me? Like, why am I like this? Why am I feeling this way? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I feeling this way? Why is it that I, you know, why do I react in this way when she says this? Right. Why do I, why do I feel what, why does I, why do I feel triggered by this when, you know, I come home and there's dishes in the sink, you know, like 
why am I, why is yeah. that, that my trigger point? Why is that the, the, the thing that catalyst that jump, you know, pops yeah. up and then it creates all this other drama. Right. And so in asking myself, starting to ask myself these questions, I began to realize it was part of a bigger picture and I really needed to use therapy as a tool for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and begin that. to and to begin to address all those things. Yeah. As a couple, I was like, I need it. <laughs> you know, I was like, I came here initially like she's she's messed up. Like she is <laughs> horrible. Like I we need she doesn't put the dishes and she doesn't help me. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> and it was like in having this conversation, I began to see like, well, you know, my therapist is asking those right questions, right? Yeah. And it's forcing me to have these conversations with myself. Yeah with my partner, you know, and I really began to realize that it ran so much deeper, you know, than just, oh, it's Angie and she's depressed now. And, you know, but it came from so many expectations of, uh, you know, really being the oldest daughter and feeling like I am, you know, my parents worked. Ultimately, I realized that I just didn't feel like I was a child. I never got the opportunity to just be a kid. Um, And, you know, I had a lot of responsibility given to me. Obviously, of course, growing up in any sort of black home, if you're the oldest child, you have all of the responsibilities. You know, (laughs) the oldest girl, you have all the responsibilities. You need to make sure your brothers are okay. Did the food, did you cook, did you do chores? You know, all of these different responsibilities that are on me, you know, as a child, I just kind of grew up with them on my shoulders and it created this like self-talk that I didn't realize that I had in my brain consistently, you know? And so it was such a difficult time, but it was such a beautiful time for me. Yeah. Um, Because it was sad. It was difficult. It was sometimes upsetting and I would be angry and, you know, I would feel betrayed. I would feel upset. I would feel, you know, guilty then because I felt all these things about people who raised me, who cared and loved me, you know? Um, And so there was just all of these emotions, you know, and in, in, in having therapy and understanding that, I wanted to be as open as possible and I wanted to be as vulnerable as possible and to see things from a different perspective than what I was probably initially seeing it as. Yeah. I started to incorporate cannabis into my therapy sessions and, um, and for me, it allowed me to break down that barrier that I had held on to for so long, right? Like I'm now in my late thirties now at this point getting therapy, you know? So there's a significant amount of like armor and a significant amount like walls that have been built up to protect myself walking through life as I am, who I am. Right. And I also understood that those walls and that armor and that barrier would also hinder my healing. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And so I was like, I have taken 30 some odd years to build up this armor. And I literally have one hour sessions twice a week. (laughs) I said, 
head. I have a lot of shit to unpack. You know, yeah. I have a lot of stuff that I need to get through. And so I began mindfully incorporating cannabis in that way to be able to allow myself to really make the most of my sessions. Yeah. To really capitalize on that very short amount of time, which I completely understood. You know, my therapist was very transparent. She was like, yeah, we're here for an hour, but she's like, you live your life the rest of the 24 hours, 23 yeah. hours that you have, you know, and like, how do you want to manage that? How do you want to deal with that? And I, you know, I knew that that one hour with her wasn't going to like freaking heal yeah. me. It's right. never going to be enough, right? Um, but it was going to be those other 23 hours, right? Yeah. And so being able to capitalize on that hour that I was with her to really, you know, break down those walls and break down those barriers that I had built up of being so like full of shame and so full of guilt and like, what am I doing? And I'm a horrible person. And am I, am I a good mom? Am I a good wife? What, you know, it had me questioning everything, but to kind of shut down that negative self-talk and yeah. allow for that exchange with her for me to get a deeper understanding of what it yeah. was that she was trying to impart on me, right? And then how to then incorporate that into the other 23 hours that is yeah. within the, that day, right? And so for me, you know, that combination was like really, really crucial and instrumental because we were, my wife and I, and myself, really, honestly, it came down to myself. I was in this, like, critical crossroads. And I knew, like, either we're going to go left or we're going to go right. And it's, you know, I have to be okay with dealing with either. Either direction, yeah. But I have to make a decision. Like, I can't yeah. just stay there at that fork yeah. in the road. I can't. That's not an option, you know. Um, and so being able to make those changes and do those things that I needed to do to really, you know, kind of bring up once again, you know, what things that are not talked about, things that are not yeah. like can never be changed. So to bring up all of these things that I was feeling good, bad, everything in between to really be able to address it and talk about it. And then to allow myself to hear my partner in a different way. So when we did yeah. couples therapy together, to not bring that defensiveness to it, to not bring this like, well, she's attacking me and I'm, I'm right and she's wrong. You know, all of these things that get in the way of forward moving progress, at least yeah. in my mind, it felt like I didn't want to have to deal with those things. I didn't yeah. want to have to combat that in addition to having in addition, to yeah implement all of these things that I wanted to change. And so, you know, in that sense, cannabis became a really critical tool in my toolbox. You know, yeah. it wasn't the only tool, but it was one of the tools. It was that one I of them. Yeah. You know, and we saw so much forward progress in our therapy sessions. You know, we went from, you know, meeting like three times, you know, because it would be her and then me and then us together you know, to, we were meeting once a week as a couple to like, kind of like just check in, you know, it came from like that critical mass point, you know, where we were having to meet all the time, all the time. to slowly progressing into a very healthy, kind of more of a check-in, you know, yeah. where are we at kind of a status report, you know, because I think it's important to check in, you know, we can't just once again, anything that you leave alone is going to yeah. be prone to deterioration and, yeah. you know, bad maintenance. So yeah. it's just 
same exact thing. You know, your car, even though it sits there, yeah. we're going to change the you oil, we're going to change the tires, you know. It's life and life still happens, right? Life is happening, you know. And so it was such an incredible, um, meaningful, thoughtful, devastating um, growth, you know, kind of em- emancipation. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I call it. It's like it a good way of putting it, really, though. Um, you know, because you're scared, but you're excited and you're terrified and you're, you're angry because, you know, you're being emancipated from this thing, but you know, it's like, well, where do we go from here? So there's uncertainty. It was everything. I think emancipation is an incredible word. I will use it. No, I, that was a, that was a beautiful use of it really. Right. (laughs) I felt emancipated, you know, and, and so, you know, and really, the both of us really trying to move forward and understand like how therapy and how cannabis and how, you know, creating systems and date nights and rituals and routines and, you know, um, our, our individual spiritual faiths, like how all of these things play a tool in really helping us to maintain our mental health. Right. Um, and it was just such an incredible thing. And I didn't want to become one of those people that was like screaming from the hilltops, like get therapy, you know, but I kind of wanted to be (laughs) in a way, you know, and I think the world also kind of also evolved and changed, right? Because we had, you know, lockdown and we had COVID still have COVID, you know? And so I think there was such a huge shift into understanding mental health and, yeah. and the importance of mental health and what that really meant and what that really looked like. And especially within, which it's still very much, I feel stigmatized, but it's becoming, the ball is moving forward within, you know, the yeah. black community, within the Latino community, within the LGBT community, because I cover, tick all those boxes. Yeah. You know, um, it the ball is 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 moving forward, right. right? We're not fully there, but it has moved forward because I think people have a better understanding yeah. of how important maintaining and taking care of and checking in with your mental health it really is. That life is happening, right? Yeah. And I never, I never ever feel like I'm gonna be cured. You know, I never feel like I'm going to be cured. I feel like it's always about how can I be mindful? How can I check in with myself? How can I be honest with myself? How can I allow people into my life in a way that will keep me accountable and vulnerable and open to understanding that my mental health is an ongoing journey? It's yeah. never going to stop. Life is no. going to throw new stuff at me all the time. Yeah. And I'm going to go, holy crap. You know? But I think having an incredible tribe, having the vocabulary, the tools to yeah. know that you are worthy of it. You are worthy of more than whatever that status quo is that you have in your head. That you think, okay, this is just what life is. This is just what it is. I'm yeah. Depressed, or I'm anxious, or you know, I have I have bipolarism, whatever. Like whatever you, whatever that narrative is that's in your head that you're like, oh, I'm just this, or oh, this is just what it is. You know, that we're capable of so much more, and we deserve so much more than just that, right? Um, But it has been such an incredible journey and being able to be transparent and open and talk to people, you know, I think seeing yourself reflected in this world is so important. You know, I didn't have people growing up 
that were an example of using therapy or using cannabis or any other sort of psychedelic for mental health. Yeah. I didn't have those examples around me, right? The examples I had was, you know, you strap your boot, you pull right. your <laughs> panties up and you grit it and you take it, you know? Or, you know, or if you're using cannabis or any other psychedelic, oh, well, you're a drug addict and you're never going to mount anything and you're never yeah. going to see anything and you're not, you're going to be lazy and you're going to be, you know, like those were the narratives that were in my head and, and that I was surrounded with, right? Yeah. And so in my own way, this is my own once again, courageous way of yeah. speaking my truth to myself first, then being able to verbalize that and then to walk the walk consistently, you know? Um, and it's an ongoing journey, but it's a journey that I'm it so sure excited is. about, you know, yeah. because I know that I have the tools. I know that I have, you know, the things that, you know, my partner who is incredible and, you know, super supportive and, you know, my son and just... All of these people that I, I first and foremost hold myself accountable to, yeah. but that they are there to also help. Do it as well. Out, yeah. You know? um, and, and so being able to create kind of this oasis, you know, for people yeah. to be able to talk and be honest yeah. and transparent and genuine. And, you know, that to me is, is so, you know, that's my job now. You know, yeah. once you have the information, you know, yeah. once you know better, you do better, right? That's what yeah. my Angelou said. Once you know better, you do better. And so now I know better. And so therefore now it's do my better. responsibility to do better yeah. and to create that opportunity for other people to learn and to do better. Same thing. Thank you to Angie for taking the time to share her story of motherhood and the questions we should be asking ourselves in order to gain mental clarity. If you love hearing these stories as much as I love sharing them and want to give them a chance to be in your ears sooner than later, head over to our newly created Patreon page where you'll receive episodes a week in advance along with the ever so gracious opportunity to support the show. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background piano music by the beautiful Chad Lawson. These stories, though, they're all yours, the listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to FragileMoments.org slash TellYourStory. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, tag at StorySharingPod on Twitter and Instagram as well now. As always, thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song, yet unsung. <laughs> <laughs>